0: and we will go to our study in the book of Genesis on the life of Abraham. We have been in this study for some months, going through Abraham as an example, as a man of faith, and we see that in Abraham's life. The direction of his life was really one of faith, and one that I think we should model our lives after, or at least strive to, in that he was a follower of God. Uh, He was a follower of god and i think more difficult times than we face today you say are you living in the same world that i am well i would just say this that we have the completed bible the the completed word of god i've, I've been able to read the end of the story all right and uh, in the end we win by the way so uh, don't want to blow the you know the the whatever you know get get ahead of you here this morning but you know that you know the hope that is found within this book and every week when we meet here we strive to open up god's word and to teach each other instructing in god's word and then it's not our word right it's his and uh, everything we need for life and godliness is found in this book including how to have eternal life with him and that's all found in this book so we study that well abraham was a man that followed the same God he was following after the the God of heaven who revealed himself to him way back there in Ur of the Chaldees and then uh, Abraham set out as a man that followed the Lord and someone he did not see most of the time right although God manifested himself to him in bodily form and we looked at that at various times but he really followed the hope and the promise and the covenant of God and he staked his life on it, and he staked his eternity on it. And I hope you can do the same with that. Well, we're going to pick it up today. Last time, a couple of weeks ago, or three weeks ago, whatever, we were looking at the life of Abraham, and we were looking at Genesis chapter 21, and uh, Genesis 20, and we were looking at the departure that Abraham went front, back into Driven by his fears, and he ends up lying again for the second occasion in Scripture, lying about his wife um, and trying to he was worried that Abimelech would take her as his wife and would kill him. And it really was a bad situation. And we know that Abraham repents of that um, as his sin is exposed, uh, the sin really of lying, and it's really driven by his fear. There's probably the sin of fear in that way, because Fear is the opposite of faith when we trust in those situations. And I'm not talking about like the kind of healthy fears you might have of um, not doing something really dumb, like standing up on a, you know, the top of a flagpole, balancing on one foot. You know, There's probably a healthy fear of falling in such a situation because that's not where you were supposed to be standing. But I'm talking about the kind of fears that drive us from the Lord and from his promises and take our eyes off him. And Abraham had those occasions in his life. And I would just say this, that um, you really, and I'm quoting from a man who said this, uh, he said, Men are not to be judged by the presence or absence of faults, but by the direction of their lives. And I think uh, that was James Strahan who said that. And I think that's really a perfect quote for the life of Abraham. Because if you were to just take maybe a snippet here and there out of his life, you would see faults and failures and sin but you would also see a man who's of faith and you say well what was the character of his life it was one of faith it was one that he went to the lord at times having to repent and get back on the right track and to do those things and so today we come to that and we come here um the space of about four years has passed in abraham's life in that time some great blessings have occurred matter of fact uh In that time, the promised son, Isaac, is born. And I'm sure in that land where Abraham was, there was quite a talk about that. Because remember, Sarah was 90 years old when she gave birth to Isaac. And that would have made all the tabloids of the day, for sure. But it was real. It was truth. And everybody knew something was happening. And that was a, a testimony to the faithfulness of God, wasn't it? because God had said that over and over again he was going to bless Abraham and he was going to multiply his seed Abraham was a hundred years old before the promised son was born and uh, that speaks volumes really about the faithfulness of God even in things that are humanly impossible and in the book of Hebrews it says of Sarah that her womb was dead and yet they believed right And I I just say God is faithful. He can take that which is dead and bring life out of it. He can take the dead sinner and breathe new life and eternal life into them, being born again. And all of that is the scriptural message of the gospel. Well, let's pick this up. We're going to look at Abraham the peacemaker. Four years has passed. I'm sure uh, there was concern because Abraham is now, his, his wealth is growing his uh, workers are growing his family is growing everything's growing and for the people in the land like the leaders of that day and being one of them uh, they were worried i mean this is the same one that we couldn't fully trust before and maybe he's going to pull a fast one on us and maybe our lives are in danger And there was some concern going on so that sort of sets the backdrop to where we come today in genesis chapter 21 starting in verse 22 And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring, or with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. And Abraham said, I will swear. Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of his well of water, which Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. And so Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech. And the two of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And then Abimelech asked Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs, which you have set by themselves? And he said, You will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, that they may be my witness that I have dug this well. Therefore he called the place Beersheba, because the two of them swore an oath there. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba, And so Abimelech rose with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. And then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing it to us and giving it to us even today. And Lord, as we look... At this text today, may you open it to us and instill faith in our lives. Lord, if there's areas we need to repent and trust you, I pray, God, we would do so. I pray also, Lord, that your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, would be lifted up today out of these pages and out of this message. And I just uh, commit our time to him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we see some things uh, in this Peacemaking deal because that's what was going on. Uh, Abimelech is worried. He's worried that maybe Abraham's going to, you know, hurt his uh, his family or his his kingdom, I should say. And there's a a shaky kind of peace at best that's going on. And so he comes to Abraham seeking a peace treaty or a covenant between them and um, and Abraham and his family. And so Abraham uh, has. Abraham obliges him in that and uh does perform a covenant with him and some have said maybe he shouldn't have done that a covenant between you know those of the land of the Philistines and then um those uh, of the household of faith and but that isn't the the point here that there was times previous to that covenants were established in that and we're really looking at sort of a governmental covenant or a treaty that is being signed here and uh, it's a very interesting thing and God would honor it during the lifetime of Abraham and I think it speaks volume that God first and foremost is a God who wants peace he wants first and foremost peace between himself and the sinful world and that's filled with sinners right he has it's through the blood of his cross that he's brought us peace with himself but the outcropping of that is peace between fellow men and women and boys and girls and if people followed the lord as they should there would be peace starting in a home there would be peace in communities there would be peace in nations and there would be peace in the world one problem is that people aren't embracing the prince of peace someday he's coming again as a great conqueror and he will be the prince of peace that's one of his titles but it'll be established in righteousness And you cannot establish peace without righteousness. Those two things go hand in hand. Well, there would be a peace. Now, this peacemaking process involved several things. Six different things, actually, in our text. And we'll look at them. And this, if you took it alone, it involved swearing. Well, I'm not talking about the kind of swearing that happens when sometimes people want to establish peace and they swear at each other. That isn't the swearing I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind where you swear an oath. And you, you say, I, I swear by something or whatever. And when people go into a court of law, even to this day, they place their hand on a Bible often and they will take an oath and they will say, I'm going to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. So we still, in some ways, do that. Even to this day, we swear by certain things, and there's none greater than to swear by the Lord Himself and His reputation. Now, I would hope people actually tell the truth. We know better, though, right? Sometimes they don't. In this case, Abraham was going to swear an oath. We'll read the, these verses again. It says that it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me. Had he dealt falsely with him before? Yeah, he had had there been a time of repentance yes and is it possible that even though someone a believer like abraham had sinned and he sinned against abimelech almost got abimelech in trouble as he had almost gotten pharaoh in trouble before that listen is there a time if you repent can god reestablish credibility i believe so there's a building of trust that needs to take place four years has passed and we have abraham now uh, he's a man that's not shady He's not a man that has going to do something false. And so therefore he stands and he takes an oath with Abimelech. And he says with me, with my offspring or with my posterity, those that come after me. But that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. And Abraham said, I will swear. I will swear an oath is what he was going to do. One of the things I noticed in this text, and I love the the very first words that Abimelech says when he comes to Abraham. He says, God is with you in all that you do. God is with you. You know, when a person lives right for the Lord, even unbelievers take note of that. And they say, something is different about that person and they may not always recognize that it's because god is with them but often if they know you especially the testimony that you who you are um, they will attribute sometimes they'll attribute that to god and abimelech does that and he's commander of the army and he says god is with you we know that god is with you and he was being blessed materially and it was no secret that abraham was a follower of god Uh, matter of fact we, we see several places where he uh, made covenants and he dealt uh, publicly with, uh, with his faith in the Lord. And he looked towards the, uh, the, the, the place really wasn't an earthly place, but a heavenly, right? We know that from the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. Well, Abimelech knew he was a man that God had blessed and that God is with you in all that you do. The question is, does does do people around you know that God is with you? Um, Are you one of His first and foremost? That would be a good question, right? If you're one of His, are you living for Him? That's where we need to be. You know, the the Psalms open up with Psalm one. It says, "This blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord." And in his law, he meditates day and night. Look what it says about that man. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That's a promise spiritually we can grab hold of today. And if you want to be a God follower, you know what? Don't end up sitting with the scornful in the path of sinners, right? Uh, Among the ungodly. Uh, We are to follow him. And he will bless. All right. For Abraham. There was an attachment. It would be a material blessing. As much as a spiritual blessing. For us in the New Testament. In this time. That spiritual blessing is given to all who believe. As well. Well. um, It involved a swearing. But it also involved a reproving. See up to this point. uh, Here comes Abimelech abimelech has sort of something against abraham although he recognizes god is with him he's worried that he's gonna he's gonna do something faulty with him he's going to maybe lie again or something like that and at that time abraham sort of turns the table and says oh, i have a problem also with your men and he goes on to say this in verse 25 then abraham rebuked abimelech because of a well of water which abimelech's servants had seized So here's um, uh, an issue that had come up, a very important issue. First of all, if you're going to live in that part of the world, in that climate, it's a very arid, dry climate, very little pasture land, Um, yet God had been blessing Abraham. And we see where Abraham had dug wells. Now, if you want to have crops in the desert and livestock going around, you have to have water. You just got to... Water, right? I need water right now. That's right. And I always drink by faith. It was just there. I don't know where it came from. Anyways, there we go. Um, Water. And, you know, he had dug these wells. And, again, a picture of diligence. Uh, One of the things that life of faith demands is that we're diligent. All right? Now, I believe you're saved by grace, not of works. But when you're saved, your salvation should work itself out. Does that make sense? So that there should be something different about your life. And that takes work. Sometimes you have to get up and you just have to do the hard tasks of living as a Christian should live. It involves digging some wells spiritually. It involves making sure that you're in this book and you have communion with the Lord, right? Through prayer and fellowship one with another as much as we can. Because that is what waters the soul. That's really what it is and Abraham pictures for us one who was concerned enough to dig wells but there's a problem Abimelech who really symbolizes uh, those who are unbelievers in a world system that is contrary to the believer he was among the Philistines you know what he would come, his men had come even though he didn't know about it his men had come and taken one of those wells and yet we don't see Abraham rising up against Abimelech to fight for that back Instead, he comes and he also says, I have something. Your men have taken a well of mine. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. I think he was being truthful. He didn't know that his men had taken one of his, Abraham's wells. Well, uh, by the way, that is something that happens, okay? Uh, if you don't uh, guard your well, the enemy will come and take your well and I don't know uh, obviously Abraham probably went there one day and realized oh my servants aren't around and there somebody's taken the well and done that and you know what There, an enemy will even come and sometimes fill in the well that was think of that going through all the work it would take to dig a well and to shore that well up and then have an enemy come and fill it in afterwards and of course any life sustaining water is no longer there right That actually happens after the death of Abraham. We read in Genesis 26, verse 18 And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. And they were, study out sometimes the wells of Abraham or the altars of Abraham. And they all have significant meaning. And it really, they all point to God. And so here he calls the names again as his father had done. By the way, that's one generation. Isaac's the next generation, right? From Abraham. That's one generation passing off on faith to the next. And just because your father or grandfather or grandmother or whatever is not, no longer here doesn't mean that that torch hasn't been push, put in your hand. And you're to pass that on. You're to do those things. And sometimes it requires hard things like having to redig wells that were already dug in previous generations. How many of us in uh, Christian service, I hear this all the time, and I, I don't think it's always accurate either. But, boy, the younger generation needs to, to get on board and do more stuff. Well, there are a lot of young people that are doing things, and I praise the Lord for them. Many of them are here today. And there's a younger generation that's taking that, but sometimes it takes the passing of someone to realize that's my responsibility now. Later on, Isaac would go out and dig wells that had already been dug. And the enemy is waiting there just to fill those things in, and it doesn't take much. You get out of this book for a few days, maybe a day, whatever, and a little bit of sand's put in, and, and you stop going, you know, praying or gathering to pray. Listen prayer we have a prayer meeting we have several prayer meetings through the week various times various places some are are just a few that meet individually uh, with, uh, with each other some meet corporately there's a men's prayer time on Wednesday morning there's a corporate prayer time on Wednesday night we do that and as a Christian we should be praying and gathering to pray if we don't the well will get filled in somebody else will have to come along and dig that out someday in that way Wow. There's a reproving that has gone, goes on and he uh tells Abimelech some of your men have taken one of my wells. Well, next thing we see is it involved witnessing. Witnessing. And the idea here is the the word to swear or take an oath, it means to witness something between two parties, particularly warring parties or uh, a parties that conflict with one another and and to sort of head that conflict off they come together before there is bloodshed and we find uh, the hebrew word to swear that is used in um, this section here in verses 27 to 32 it says so abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to abimelech and the two of them made a covenant and abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves Then Abimelech asked Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, You will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, that they may be my witness, that I have dug this well. Therefore he called the place Beersheba, because the two of them swore by an oath there. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines they swore an oath there and that swearing process was a witness also and there were other things there involved in that witnessing process just so you know and by the way the word in Hebrew to swear an oath is the word uh, Shabbat and the word for seven is Sheba all right very close I hope I'm saying that correct but that's in my English phonetics trying to speak Hebrew uh, but the well that was dug there was called Beersheba, alright and it means it's sort of maybe a play on the two words, the well of seven oaths or a well of oaths uh, or well of an oath and it, literally it's the well you know of an oath in that way, but it also is a reminder that there were there was a covenant that was established there and we see that this, um, this covenant essentially was... Uh, well, let's go back to the very beginning of that. Look what it says in verse uh, 28. It says, Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Oops, sorry. Previous verse. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. Now, when we say that, we made a covenant, we were... Remember back in Genesis 15, there was a covenant that was established back there between God and Abraham, and when that covenant was established, there was the slaying of animals involved. And I mentioned that in our modern world, we still use the word or the phrase to cut a deal. And most, it's an idiom, but you know, we we talk about cutting a deal, and that really comes from, my understanding, anyways, the ancient times when people to make a covenant, they would sacrifice an animal. So, or many animals. In this case, it was many of them. So, Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. And there was a death of at least an animal, and that animal would be cut in half, it would be separated, and the two parties would walk between the two halves of the animal. Now, it involved death and blood. Now, I'm glad we don't have to do that when we make a covenant today. However, In the covenants we make today, sometimes we're not very serious about those covenants. In that day, it was a serious matter because something always died when a covenant was made, in particular a covenant of peace. And it was a reminder that God is serious about covenants. And there was a picture of death in that covenant. Something had to die to bring peace. By the way, Jesus had to die as God's lamb to make a covenant a new covenant written in his blood for you and for me to have peace with God it's the story of the gospel and I I wish it couldn't be so bloody and gory to think about what went on at the cross and the crucifixion but it was the way God said listen up I'm making a covenant." And it's an everlasting covenant. It's a covenant that's going to require only the righteous blood of a lamb and the only righteous lamb, which is my son, Jesus Christ. Hear him. Right? That's what he told people. Covenant. By the way, if you want to, I won't turn there, but Hebrews chapter 10 is the instruction of the method of the gospel or the method of salvation. And it's about The sacrifices in times past, and how the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. But the blood of God's Son, Jesus Christ, took away our sins because he died once for all. And the whole I think it's in verse 15 of Hebrews 10. The Holy Spirit bears witness of that. Witness. And then it ends in the last section of verse 18, 17, 18, 16, 17, 18. The word of God which bears witness to that also. We have Jesus who died for us. We have the Holy Spirit who bears witness and the word of God that testifies of those things. We see the same thing here. By the way, that section opens up saying that the sacrifices of the Old Testament were a shadow or shadows of things to come. They pointed to a greater... They weren't the substance. They were shadows. So when Abraham and and Abimelech make a covenant, they're really shadowing a picture of the gospel. But you know, the covenant wasn't only about dead lambs and dead goats and bulls and sheep and all that stuff. It was about live ones too. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. He takes seven female sheep, lambs, and he takes them and he sets them apart. And Abimelech doesn't get that. What are these for? Never made a covenant with live animals, but that's what they were. They were live. And they were a gift that he, Abraham, was going to give to Abimelech. And those living lambs, which would grow up and produce more fruit, right? They were a reminder that God is a living God. And that the living sacrifice is also there. Because they were part of that deal. And you know from that moment on. So long as Abraham was alive and Abimelech was alive. And those lambs were alive. They would always remember there was a covenant made. You know we have a savior. Whoever lives. lives. The Bible says we have a savior who ever he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's he's forever. His covenant will be upheld. His salvation is eternal. It is secure by him, not by me or by you or the fact you might sin or not sin or whatever. It is established by him and kept by him against everything else. And he's able to do that cuz he's alive. He's the living sacrifice also. Well, we see these witnesses. And he's our witness, isn't he? Well, it also involved this. It involved planting. It involved planting. I've got to find that, that point here. Stand by. There we go. Verse 33. Planting. We're in the planting season right now, right? Yeah. Some people have already planted some of their vegetables in the garden. Some of the farmers are out there planting the crop for this fall and it's a time of planting. But these kind of crops come and go every year, right? My garden uh, doesn't grow in January. Uh, it's dead in January. But, you know, one thing I, I have on my property is trees, a few p- fruit trees. And thanks to Dan Fortin, and, uh, he, he's helped me graft apple trees and uh, some other trees that are there. And uh, those have already borne fruit, but it took many years to do that. But trees are much more permanent, aren't they? And here you picture, there's a well in Beersheba, and Abraham plants some trees there, right? It says, and Abraham planted a Tamarisk tree in Beersheba. Now, a Tamarisk tree is a, they they say, is described as a very shrub, like a little shrub, and it's uh, very hardy, grows in dry climates, but it likes water, and they're often found at places of an oasis, or places of water in the desert. And in an arid land where there was very little vegetation, when you're walking along as a a traveler and you see a tamarisk tree, you'd say there's a water source there. The tree itself also was a witness to the well and to the covenant that Abraham had made. And what what a difference that is, right? You know, when we have something precious and valuable, we like to hide it, right? That's what typically somebody says. You know, I have a well, and I'm the the only well for miles around. I'm going to hide it here. And disguise it as a big rock or something. I don't know. But no, Abraham was so um, so secure in that covenant that he planted a tree there. And that tree would bear record also long after those ewe lambs grew up and died and long after Abraham died and Abimelech, and Abimelech is a title of a man, it is something that could have been established in his descendants, still called Abimelech, and it was a constant reminder that God had a well. There are permanent, more permanent and lasting things. It involved a planting. And you know the planting led to worship. It involved worshiping. Because not only did he plant a tree there. But look what it says in verse 33. And Abraham planted a Tamar's tree in Beersheba. And there called on the name of the Lord. Capital L-O-R-D. Yahweh the name of God and he goes on and describes him the everlasting God and that is a term in the Bible that has not appeared yet in our reading as far as a title in the Hebrew it is the word El Olam and it means everlasting God and that's what he calls the Lord he is forever the tree wasn't forever those lambs weren't forever. Abraham in the flesh wasn't forever. There, all right, he was gonna graduate from this earth also, uh, but God is. And can I emphasize that? I, I know we're running out of time this morning, but He's an eternal God. And a hundred years from now, if we're still anybody's still here on this planet, and and they aren't gonna remember me or you, probably I doubt it, unless you're really famous or infamous. That's it. But they'll remember, hopefully, the Lord who's everlasting. Abraham's God. 4,000 years on, we're still talking about the everlasting God. And we'll talk about him forever and ever and ever because he's everlasting. Deuteronomy 33 27 says, The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust you out, the enemy, or thrust out the enemy from before you. And we'll say, destroy. But that first part of that verse is a wonderful verse, isn't it? The eternal God is our refuge. See, I need a place of refuge. Everything down here is just temporary refuge. <laughs> Up with Him, it's eternal. It's eternal. And then lastly, it involved waiting. It involved waiting. Look at Genesis chapter 21, verse 34. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. Doesn't say many years, many decades, but many days. Can I just boil life down into a time frame of many days? (laughs) You know, we have a certain amount of days on this planet. That's what we are, and they're just days. Life is a succession of days. One day leads to another, to another, to another, and all of a sudden you have 41 or 42 years behind you. I don't know. I, I'll let that just lay there for a while. But anyways, uh, you know, we don't know. I mean, that we have those. But if you're following the Lord, those should be days of blessing, days of hope, days looking toward the next part of the journey, which is heaven. He stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. There were probably some hard days in that. There were some days when, as old age approached with Abraham, I'm sure he was struggling. Just like any person getting older, saying, I I don't have the same stamina that I had when I was 20 or 30. Or maybe I can't remember what I did yesterday. You know, I'm there, 52. Sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I was here at church yesterday. I remember that. But you know, sometimes we forget the little things, but we look ahead. Press on. Move forward. That's the life of Abraham. You come to the New Testament and Peter encourages believers. He says this in 1 Peter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Those are time date stamps, by the way. There was a time of a day of a resurrection. That was the resurrection of Christ. There was a day where there was a begotten hope. Or you were born again. You, you were introduced to the Savior. Now I realize not everybody knows the exact day or time they became a believer. But they, they say, I'm a believer. I was, I was young. Or I don't remember the exact date. But I'm a believer. And that's, that's what counts. So just so you know. That you believe. You've turned to Him for salvation. Those are acts, though, that have eternal repercussions. They go on forever and ever and ever. He's the living hope look what he says to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you good thing because down here that land of abraham is still being contested and fought for and there's still warring factions going on trying to take it from each other uh, however that works out and i believe that the bible is the clearest title deed to who owns that by the way and the descendants of who owns it but backing up on that Beyond this earth, which indeed may be fought for, there's a place in heaven for the believer that's reserved and an inheritance that's reserved. Who are kept by the power of God. Good thing, because I can't do it. Through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. Now a few days. That's all it is. Life is a few days. Say they're long days. Yeah, they can be. They can be hard days. Oh, the heartache that people have in their lives. But for the believer, we, we, our hearts ache with hope. If need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ whom having not seen you love though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory receiving the end of your faith the salvation of your souls see that's the bible message that's the message about abraham he was a man that followed the lord and uh he he followed the hope that the lord gave him in that and the lord kept his covenant with Abraham. I'm glad for that. Let's, let's pray. God, we're thankful for your word. Thankful for this man, Abraham, but more importantly, the God of Abraham. Thank you, Lord, that you can take and dig wells in dry places and establish water in a world that is so contrary. Thank you for people who even though as they go through the valley of backup, valley of weeping, they make it a place that springs to life and will refresh others. Help us to be such a people. And Lord, as we go from this place today, may your name be exalted. May people take note of that. And again, I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here that is a stranger to you, that even today would be a day where they would introduce, well, be introduced to you And follow you by faith, turning from sin, and be saved. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.